All right, guys, welcome back to the Future Footy Podcast. My name is Christian, guys. I'm one of your co-hosts. And joining me, as always, are the three other co-hosts, Aldo, Chris, and Saul. Aldo, man, how are you doing? How's the week been treating you? It's been good, man. Um, you know, United had a draw at Chelsea. Sancho's been getting goals uh, now, so he's starting to come back to life. Ole's gone, and we're getting Ralph Ragnick, so that's always nice to look, good look to, you know, that's always nice to look at, so... Going so far, so good. How about you guys? Yeah, man, definitely exciting news that's going on with the the Manchester United news of Ralph Ragnick appointment. But of course, we'll get on to that a little bit later. Chris, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. You know, another week that's closer to finals, closer to the end of the school year. And uh, we, uh, we had an ex- a couple exciting games here today, so can't wait to talk about them later. Yeah, man, one week closer to freedom is how I look at it from getting a break. Exactly. Uh, so, what about you, man? How's how's life been treating you? Oh, uh, good. Anything else? No, not really. Dang. I mean, this guy's already mentioned it, so. All right, then. He's already mentioned it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we'll just get straight into it. As always, guys, we start off FFP with our biggest takeaways from the week just passed. So, I'll actually throw it over to myself because I'm quite known for kind of um, – just forgetting to put mine in after the three of you put your guys's in. So I'll say mine first. Um, MLS playoffs, guys, it's definitely heating up. Sadly, uh, the Rapids have gone out in the first round uh, to the Portland Timbers. And just last night, the New England Revolution went out to NYCFC. So uh, kind of a interesting topic there, guys, I want to talk about later on, you know, if it getting that crucial buy, if it's actually a disadvantage for some of these teams. But yeah, that's my biggest takeaway, along with uh, the absurd deal of between Chivas and America for Sebastián Córdoba and Uriel Antuna. A swap deal is going to go on there, so doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, but that's why we don't see swap deals a lot, in my own opinion, guys, because, you know, they just they just don't make sense. <laughs> but that's my biggest takeaway from the week just past, guys. Aldo, what about yours, man? Well, for me, uh, like I mentioned already, we got Ralph Bragnick coming in at Man United. You know, it's very exciting to see someone of his caliber coming in. Um, you know, he, he's been very... Very renowned in, in his achievements, you know, with RB Leipzig, basically bringing that team uh, from the fourth division in, in Germany to, to where it is now. Um, you know, right before he came to United, he was uh, helping Locomotive, Locomotive Moscow. So very excited to see that. I think that's my biggest takeaway. And also that Serie A is still popping, still popping there. Chris, what about you, bro? What's the biggest thing you took away from the week just past? Um, I think just that we're getting close to the end of the year and in the Premier League, there is no winter break. So we always seen in the seasons past how the best teams and the ones who win the Premier League always have the most wins and really fight for those games in the winter, in the winter seasons. I think December is a really, really crucial point of the season where you have to get those points and we'll see um we'll see in january who's on top of the premier league yeah man champions are way- made in winter for sure so what about you bro what's the biggest thing you took away well, my biggest takeaway you know of course has to be uh the balloon door that was i think month yeah it was this past monday you know uh messi winning his seventh balloon d'Or. of course uh, as usual there was a lot of controversy about it so yeah can't wait to talk about it 
Yeah, man, me neither. So we're going to actually just jump right into that because obviously the Ballon d'Or is probably the biggest piece of news to come out this week. And a lot of controversy there, guys. Um, Over on our Twitter account, we actually ran a poll saying who was actually the fans' favorites, at least from our perspective, to win the Ballon d'Or. And it was pretty close, but uh, Robert Lewandowski actually ran out 50% winner there with getting 50% of the votes, Messi getting 38%, and Benzema getting 7 So uh, pretty decisive there on our own poll, but uh, complete opposite at the ceremony. Messi, like Sol just mentioned, took home his 7th record, 7th Ballon d'Or. And I'll just throw out to you guys, is it deserved? Hell no, it's not deserved. Not for <laughs> me, at least. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I'm not going to say it was undeserved, but I, I will say that, um, what's it called, that both, uh, that both of them deserved it, so I wouldn't have been mad if it went to Messi or Lewandowski. Yeah, yeah. I agree with uh, Saul there. You know, I think Messi did the right thing, acknowledging that uh, last year, I don't know why the Ballon d'Or ceremony was canceled. A lot of people say it's because it's a French football and the French league actually canceled their league, whereas most competitions finished out their season. But no, I think we can all unanimously unanimously agree that if the award ceremony did go on last year, Robert Lewandowski would have been the overall favorite and would have took home his first ever Ballon d'Or. But that wasn't the case this year, guys. Um, obviously, Messi had a really impressive Copa America tournament, but some people are saying that wasn't enough to take home the trophy. Um, so I'm curious to see what Aldo and Chris have to say, you know, saying Lewandowski deserved it more, uh, and then I'll get ready to defend Messi. All right, Chris, you want to take this on? You want to take it? Uh, sure. I'll just start by saying that um, there's no doubt Messi is the greatest player of all time, or if not one of the greatest players of all time. But you have to keep in mind that Barcelona are not doing well this season. And you just look at that Barca team and how they played last year and uh, up until this year. And you look at how Bayern Munich played and you see how Lewandowski was the main man at that club and you see Messi, the main man at Barca. And uh, just Messi, I don't know. He's amazing at what he does, but Lewandowski really, I think, outshone him because, well, this is a team sport and Bayern Munich were definitely a way better team than Barcelona were. It is an individual award. I agree, but um, there has to be some sway with the way your team is playing, and uh, Bayern Munich were much more impressive than Barcelona are. Didn't they only win the Bundes? Because they, I'm pretty sure they got knocked out of all the two. They got knocked out of the Champions and out of their uh, domestic cup. So, I mean, um, technically they won, well, the same, they won the same amount of trophies. Yeah, that that was. Uh, yeah. You know, that was this year. We're, we're also we also have to take into account last season when it was canceled. You know, Lewandowski performed uh-huh. there. He continued to perform I don't think so. I don't in, think into this one. No. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, think about it. You know, how, I mean, how the, are you going to scratch out the whole, whole year? Well, I mean, just like France football did, they scratched out a whole year. I don't think uh, we should count it in last year. All right, well, either way, so for this year, Messi, what, Copa America, Copa Rey, um, Lewandowski, what, what, DF Pokal and Bundesliga, I think is what he won. I thought they got knocked out of the Pokal. I might be wrong on that. No, they won I'm the Club World Cup. Sure they won they did get knocked out of the Pokal, but they won the Club World Cup this year. Club World Cup, okay, so there we go. So he won two trophies as well for his club. 
nothing for his country, so I can see that. But you know, he's been performing in and out, whereas Messi has has not. He's especially in the league where he is now. He's just not been performing. Sure, and I would that argue that now. he hasn't been performing this whole year. Um, when you look yeah, at even, even before he moved to PSG. Bruh, performing this whole year, that's a lie. That's a complete lie. I mean, he's not performing at the same level Lewandowski is, though. I think Lewandowski is putting so much output this past year compared to compared to Messi. And Messi, you have to admit, he's dropped off quite a bit since he joined PSG. And this it's about the whole year, and he has certainly dropped off. But I, I think someone uh, I saw it on Twitter. Someone's like, uh, people try to discredit Messi for the uh, this terrible start at PSG. They're trying to discredit him for the good year he's actually had. I mean, my argument about Lewandowski is if you put Lewandowski on uh, on that Barca team, he would perform nowhere near the uh, the level he is at that Bayern team. But on the other hand, if you put Messi on that Bayern team, he takes him to a whole nother level. And he'd arguably, I'd argue, he'd perform better than Lewandowski does. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but to, to counter that argument, you just said it was an individual award. So why does it yeah, matter which team he plays? Counter Chris, because Chris has said you have to take into account the team's success as well. And I'm saying that you're saying it's an individual award. So then why are we comparing yeah. that? Oh, if we put Messi at this Bayern team, he would have done much better. Then, then that just takes your I mean, argument saying that it's an individual award. Lewandowski's been performing better at Bayern. And I'm simply saying that if Messi was on Bayern, he'd probably be performing better. I mean, just look at where Barca is right now without Messi. I mean, you tell me if you put Lewandowski on that team, he'd be able to get uh, 57 uh, goal contributions. Not goal contributions, but Messi got 57 goals and assists. So would Lewandowski be able to even do like half of that on this Barca team? I mean, he's known as... I I think he would, honestly. does so much for that team, and he's crucial to that team, especially... We've seen that especially since he left and how Barcelona have really not found that identity after him. But what I got to say is uh, Lewandowski has, is kind of like that for Bayern Munich as well. Um, he's, he's not a creator like Messi. He's not a dribbler. But everything, like the whole fundamental piece for that Bayern squad is that top guy in front, Lewandowski putting away all those chances. And I think you put Messi in there and it won't work. And you put Lewandowski in Barca and it won't work. But I think uh, we just need to look at what how Bayern have played and how Lewandowski was a forward man in that team. And uh, you just have to admit also that for this whole year, I think for half of it at least, after the summer competitions, Messi has dropped off a bit. I mean, well, he was playing with an injury. So, I mean, that has to credit, like, that definitely played part in it because he was definitely playing through an injury. I mean, sometimes he would only practice twice a week and then he'd be playing. But, I mean, I understand. I mean, Muller, I think, was also, um, what's it called? Oh, yeah. I can't think of the word. But I think he's also, like, important on that team. I mean, I think he had 25 assists this last season or something like that. I, I know he's pretty fundamental. I argue the whole team is fundamental, like, I mean, when Lewandowski was out, they definitely struggled scoring goals, but they still created a lot of chances. So just to add my own opinion to this argument, guys, uh, what I will say is I agree with Chris and all the 100% that 
Uh, Messi had definitely dropped off after the summer, but uh, here's what I would argue for in favor of Messi actually winning the award. So I actually put more credence and more ability into the fact that, you know, Messi does so much for a Barcelona team and for an Argentina side, whereas Robert Lewandowski at Bayern Munich is surrounded by world-class players and himself. And Aldo wants to go back to last year. Well, we can go back to last year when they won the quadruple. Or last year, or when that season when they did win the quadruple, they had Thiago Alcantara, who was arguably one of the best midfielders in the world. Thomas Muller was in outrageous form. Joshua Kimmich, uh, Leon Goretzka were right behind him doing... Matt pulling a lot of strings in midfield. Leroy Sané, Gnabry, Komen. So many world-class attacking players on that Bayern side that actually helped Robert Lewandowski to get all those goals. But I just put a lot more credibility towards Messi and his argument when we look at that Barcelona side. And yes, he had Messi, or yes, he had uh, Griezmann, Suarez, and a bunch of other players around him. But they were not performing at the level that some of the players at Bayern Munich was performing at. So... That's kind of where my argument sways a little bit more, and I definitely give a lot more credence to Messi pulling, literally putting a Barcelona side on his back and carry them to uh, mediocrity, I guess. But for me, that just carries a lot more weight than Robert Lewandowski shining on arguably one of the greatest teams in the world. You know, it's kind of like when Germany won the 2014 World Cup. You know, there was so many stars on that team, you know, and eventually they won the tournament. But at the end of the day, who'd, who'd they end up giving the player the tournament award to? They gave it to Messi because... You can't really discredit any player on Germany for being the best. And Lewandowski is absolutely the best player on Bayern. But I think you take him out of that team, they'll be just fine. But as we all alluded to, we see we take Messi out of Barcelona and look how they crumble, look how they fall. I mean, Barcelona was crumbling and falling even when he was there. Uh, they've been, what, knocked out of the champions for, what, four seasons in a row before he left? Um, at Some of them were at the hands of Bayern. So you got to take that into account as well, you know, because I think if Messi would have stayed with Barca at this moment in time, even with Xavi coming in, that may have helped a little bit more. But Barca was still crumbling and falling even when he was there, even when he quote unquote put the team on his back. I don't know. I just I give a lot more credit to his performance at that Barca team, that middling Barca team, than Lewandowski being one of the best strikers and one of the best teams in the world. But that's just where that's just where I side with the argument. And then we haven't even talked about Messi's Copa America tournament, dude. Like, what is what? Are, how was Robert Lewandowski's tournament with Poland at the Euros? I think they got knocked out on the group stage. But Messi at the Copa America, like, proved all his doubters wrong. He was top goal scorer, top assist, top chance creator, top uh, chances created. All these metrics, all these achievements he hit. And he finally won his first international trophy. And I think that's arguably the reason why he won the Ballon d'Or this year. I would think if Argentina wouldn't have won that trophy, that Messi wouldn't be winning the Ballon d'Or and we'd be having a different conversation. One thing I got to say about that is that Messi should have won that tournament ages ago, and he only hasn't because that Argentina team and him sometimes have choked in those, in those times. They are the best team and have been the best team for the past decade, and they barely won that Copa America. So I got to say... No, uh, Iguain helped us back, bro. It's all Iguain's fault. Iguain, if you're listening, I freaking hate you, bro. Messi should have four no, international can't. trophies because of I mean, you. Iguain, you bomb Iguain. I, I'd argue Brazil was better. They're undefeated this year. And uh, World Cup qualifiers are undefeated. I'd argue Brazil Well, I do want to say, you know, Iguain had some, some parts to play, you know, in the World Cup and Copa America. But you can't forget that Messi did miss that crucial PK in that Copa America final. It was... Literally in his shoulders, and he choked. 
It was the first penalty of the shootout. What are you talking about? It wasn't the decisive exactly. game-winning penalty. It was the first one. If you're going to put the whole team on your back, like you're saying, his penalty was decisive one because the whole team is going behind him, behind his leadership. He choked, therefore the whole team choked. They, they lost the, the confidence to keep going. Yeah, but that they was, saw their great and all-powerful leader miss. Yeah, but that was in uh, 2016. It's decisive. Exactly, but that, that's my point. Either way, that's just back me backing up Chris that Argentina should have won it a long time ago. I don't know. I think Argentina hasn't been a good side for a while now because it's kind of been like Messi pulling the team on his back like we see at Barcelona, but now they're finally getting these good players all throughout the pitch, whether it's attack, defense, midfield, goalkeeper, whatever. They finally have a world-class player in every single position, and now we can see what Messi can do in that team. Whereas Robert Lewandowski, same case for Poland, he's really the only star there, and he kind of pulls the team through, and he fails. He fails. He can't. Pull, he proved that he can't pull them through. Whereas Messi, in that scenario, he pulled teams Argentina to the Copa America final, to the World Cup final. But obviously that's in the history. I don't want to get into that right now, but I'm just saying right now in 2021, I think it was deserved, but Robert Lewandowski, I feel like he is screwed over, especially after last year. I think the right thing to do would have been to award him the award for last year, say they messed up, admit their mistakes, and give Messi the award for this year. And I can agree if that would happen, we all would have gone home happy, but obviously that didn't. And, you know, it's obviously going to cause a lot of controversy. So that's exactly why we're having this conversation today. Yo, before we move on, I think uh, there's another point we have to talk about. If you're talking about Lewandowski getting robbed, I think there's another point that has to be talked about, which is of um, the Bologna or I think it's a... I know me and Chris talked about it. But, uh, I think it's definitely losing its, uh, I think, credibility and like its its value. Like you know, uh, for me personally, it lost a lot of its credibility after uh, 2018 when Messi came in fifth place, even after having a, uh, well, I I think he had 70 goals and assists that year in total, and he came in fifth place. You know, that was and Modric ended up winning, which to me was just. That, that was a robbery right there. Like, Modric did not deserve it, in my opinion. But I think that's another point you have to talk about. It's just, like, it's losing a lot of credibility, you know? Like, we talk about robberies. I don't think there's been one season where someone's won it and everyone's, like, pretty much, like, agreed. Like, because it used to be Messi versus Ronaldo. Every time Ronaldo won it, everyone's like, oh, it's Messi's. And then Messi won it. They're like, it was Ronaldo's year. So I don't think it's been one year that's, like, been completely, like, satisfied everyone. Um, so yeah, I just want to I just want to get you guys' opinion on that. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, that Luka Modric decision to give him the Ballon d'Or after that World Cup final run was kind of questionable. I don't know if we won. What did he win with Madrid that year? He won the Champions. That's about yeah. it. So it's pretty much a, how Jorginho was in the in the top three this year. It's kind of the same situation, and I understand that that player like Modric and like Jorginho really shined for their team and for their country, but um, they weren't the individual best player. I don't think Luka Modric was the best player that year that he won, and I don't think Jorginho is the best top three in this year, so yeah, I got to agree with what you're saying about the credibility. Yeah, me too, man. Um, I think we can go back the years and me personally, I think there's a, a lot of Ballon d'Or awards that should have gone elsewhere. You know, I can look back just for examples. I can see 
Manuel, Manuel Neuer taking home one, Griezmann taking home one, um, Frank Ribery, uh, Wesley Schneider. There's so many people that um, robbed of the ward that just like Lewandowski did this year, arguably. So, I mean, yeah, that's a different podcast all in itself, but definitely the credibility has been shot and it's been slowly just decaying over these past few years. Yeah, especially because to me personally, it's like the criteria. I think we mentioned another podcast, like the criteria changes like every year. Like one year is like who was the best individual player, and then another year is like, oh, who was the best player on the best team? And then it was like, all right, who was the player that won the most trophies? So to me, it's just like changes every year because I mean, looking at the top 30, like Ruben, Ruben Diaz, he came in fucking 27th place, man. Like he had. He should be uh, Gerard third. Moreno and Pedri. I had him like I like a Pedri's Barca player, and no disrespect to him, but he did not. He was, I think Diaz had an outstanding season. Or uh, what's his name? Uh, I forget. Well, I forget. I think he was like in. He was in the top. Like he was between I think ten and twenty. Uh, was he? Let me see. Let me see. Let me, see, let me find. I know Harry Kane in twenty third place. You know. That, that to me is like he should have been top 10. I mean, top goal scorer and top assist provider in uh, the Premier League. That's it's just like some of these rankings are a joke, especially like Jorginho at three. Like, there's no way he should be at three or Benzema. Benzema at fourth makes no sense either. I mean, we, I mean, people, I guess, seem to forget that Real Madrid went trophy list this season, and the only thing Benzema won was uh, the Nations League final, which a lot of people don't even really consider a trophy. So. They they're just becoming a joke to me. So when I see like people get a bit outraged, you know, I'm just like, uh, I care, but not not too much. Like I'll, I'll always defend Messi, you know, but to a point, I just stop caring because like eh, it's not really that much anymore. I think we can all agree that the biggest takeaway that we got from the Balloon Door ceremony this year, guys, was the fact that Spider Man himself, Tom Holland, was in the building. Yeah, Zendaya too. Yeah, with the Doctor Octopus reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, real quick, though, I mean, for me, the whole individual awards in in football, it, I don't believe in it, um, just because it's a team sport. Like, mm. so for me, the whole thing has been a sham itself. The whole individual individual awards, you know, like the best, uh, the Ballon d'Or, um, so. I don't believe in that much, but hey, it, it does. Like you guys, have, like Sowie was saying, the criteria changes every year, so it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, bro, bro, I know, I knew Messi was gonna win it once I heard they were adding those two trophies: the best club award and the best striker. I was like, damn, they're giving Lewandowski a consolation award. I was like, Messi's definitely winning it. I was like, yeah. and that makes no sense because they don't even have a best midfielder or best uh, defender, best. Yeah, it's just. I think Donnarumma won best goalkeeper. Yeah, Donnarumma. There was a lot of good goalkeepers that arguably deserve it. Yeah. The real question, guys, going back to Spider Man, will Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire be in Spider Man No Way Home? I say yeah. They they better be. They they don't. We riot. I swear. (laughs) Y'all been able to get tickets or not? I heard there was, I saw those shirts were selling for like a thousand dollars, and I was like, "Damn!" Yeah, I mean, no, there's there's plenty of days to watch a movie. <laughs> you don't have to watch it on opening day. But real quick, if they're if uh, Tony McGuire and Andrew Garfield don't appear, 
then Marvel is sham. They've literally mm. been building up for this moment. They were not, yep, they were not building up for Thanos' snap or Iron Man's, you know, last goodbye. No, they were building up for this moment to bring back Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Real quick before we move on, I just thought about this. Um, we'll try to make it quick, but if they were to give out a, a best defender and best midfielder award, uh, no, would have Spider Man related. Back. You can ask that. <laughs> so I'll just yeah. ask you, if there was a best defender and best midfielder, uh, who would have won? Uh, I'll go quickly first. I'll say for best defender, probably Ruben Diaz. And midfielder, uh, midfielder, uh, I don't know if I would have given it a midfielder. Uh, <laughs> I don't hear what you, I really don't know, so I'll pass it on to you guys and then come back to me. I think best defender would be Dr. Octopus with all those tentacles, oh, you know, defending the ball. And then best midfielder, the Hobgoblin, flying around in midfield. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I agree with you, man. Ruben Diaz for defender and then midfielder. I'd probably go with Conte. Honestly, a lot of people would say Jorginho just for the trophies he's had, but he wasn't the best player on Chelsea or Italy for those two campaigns. So, yeah, I'd probably give it to Conte. Yeah, I'd agree with you with uh, Ruben Diaz at center back. Midfield is pretty tough. Uh, probably Bruno. I know he had a fantastic... Uh, time last season um, for striker Lewandowski yeah Bruno's a good shout yeah for me I mean I guess Chris read, read it off uh, my mind but yeah I was going to say the Portuguese players um, what was it? what was the defender's name Diaz again Diaz yeah I was thinking of so many Portuguese players at the same time uh, but yeah Diaz was, was uh, you know he had an amazing season Bruno definitely uh, he's been awesome since he's come to the Prem. But yeah, I'm going to say striker. I'm going to go for Lua, just like Chris. Yeah, um, I guess the best midfielder, I'd, I guess I'd go with... Uh, it's hard to choose between Conte and Bruno Fernandes, but uh, damn, bro. I guess I'd go for Bruno Fernandes because he did have a pretty good season. KDB is in there with the shout, too. Yeah, I mean, he said it himself that he didn't have his best of seasons last year. Bro, he was also injured. Depending on, yeah, he was out for a while. Yeah. Well, depending on if you consider Bernardo Silva a midfielder or not, you know, he's definitely in there with a shout as well. But I digress. Definitely yeah. Agree. Next question, guys. Not really a question, just really more of a overall broad statement. Are you guys prepared to see one of either Zendaya MJ or Happy Hogan dying far from home? I think at least one of them is going to get murked. <laughs> Dude, I haven't had the chance to talk with this about anyone, damn. <laughs> after the podcast. All right, fine. Maybe. Okay, guys, all our listeners, you guys are witnessing the conversion of Future 30 Podcast to the MCU podcast. That's what we're doing right now. And movie crates, yeah. there you go. Yeah, I'd love to review Marvel movies, dude. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can do that in a podcast on itself. Yeah, guys. But that's another episode of What If. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, y'all, should we move on to the Premier League? Because there's a lot of uh, weekend and midweek matches we need to talk about. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right, guys. So moving on to the Premier League, guys, uh, the world's most prestigious football competition 
What do y'all want to talk about? I guess biggest. I guess I'll start off. Biggest game of the weekend was uh, Chelsea Man United. They tied one one. Um, you know, uh, was it Jorginho? He had a think Steven oh, Gerrard oh. moment. He slipped. <laughs> Sancho, he slipped, and then he slipped Sancho in, and he scored the one one. He scored the one nil, and then he uh, redeemed himself. He scored a penalty. Dude. Oh, the really yeah. quick. I want to ask you, bro. What kind of formation was Carrick? implementing there that game because I mean obviously Ronaldo was on the bench uh I don't know it's kind of weird four midfielders a lot of people are saying it's a diamond or two up top with Sancho playing as a striker but what was your interpretation uh for me it was kind of it was kind of a pep style mixed with Ralph um you know I I don't know if you guys saw but Darren Fletcher was having his his headphones uh during the match I have reason to believe that it's it was Ralph on the other line, um, so I kind of think that's what it was, you know. And and it was working in a way until Ronaldo came in uh, and fucked it all up. But but yeah, I think that's what it was. I think it was kind of like a Pep false nine type formation mixed with some of that gag gag and press style from Ralph. Bruno's a false nine, man. Who would have thought? I know. It's a genius. Chris, you probably have a lot more to say about this match than I do, but uh, I just wanted to touch on Steven Gerrard's first loss as a Premier League manager. Uh, obviously, they were succumbed to Manchester City, losing 2-1 there. Not sure if you got a chance to see it, but uh, yeah, City uh, doing what they do, man, and uh, definitely giving Gerrard a warm welcome to the Premier League. Yeah, welcome to the Premier League, Steven Gerrard. Welcome back. Um, I do got to say, Man City scored some nice goals. One by uh, Ruben Diaz, the first one. Smashed it with his left foot, went into the bottom corner. Nothing the keeper could do about that. And uh, that second one was an amazing team goal. Great job by Riyad Mahrez to hold that ball. And uh, Fernandinho passed it over to to Jesus on the wing, who crossed it first time. An amazing hit on the volley by Bernardo Silva. I think a uh, really great team goal this season. And, uh, yeah, just going on through. Let's go to the next match. I hope uh, they can keep up that momentum. Yeah. Bro, I watched that game. It was a – I'd say uh, Villa dominated most of the second half, you know I mean? I don't know if I'd say they deserve to tie it, but they definitely had some chances to tie it. But yeah, they'll get good that second half. If I were a, if I were a Villa fan, I'd definitely be excited about what Gerard could bring because that second half, I'd say they dominated City. I mean, they were struggling to deal with that high press, and they were just uh, – those like a couple times where they were just kicking the ball out, and then Villa would bring it back up, and then they just have to boot it back out because they just couldn't deal with any – with the pressure they were – Pressure of Villa was a prime, but yeah, if I was a Villa fan, I'd be excited with Gerard going forward. I also want to quickly mention Liverpool scoring eight goals in two games, getting two very impressive victories there, and then kind of a concerning point for uh, some fans out there that listen to the podcast. Wolves actually, guys, played out two nil-nil draws both over the weekend and midweek. Um, Raul Jimenez is looking very, very flat. Obviously, it's not all his fault. You know, the whole team is looking pretty fat, flat there. But 
they're off to a pretty impressive and exciting start in the early on in the season. I was just wondering what you guys is, uh, think about, you know, Wolves' results recently because it is concerning, you know, especially if you're an L Tree fan with Raul Jimenez up top. I mean, this has been their form the whole season. You know, they go like on a good two to three game stretch. They perform real good. It looks like they're going to, you know, get it together and go on a nice run. But then they just start dropping points, you know, not necessarily losing, but, you know, they'll tie and then that'll slow down their momentum. And then like a few games later, they'll pick it back up. So, yeah, it's just how, uh, how Wolves have been the whole season. You know, they just haven't been able to get a good run of form consistent. Consistently yeah. going, so I'm not really surprised. I mean, they're still in sixth place, so there's that. Yeah, pretty damning to get draws against Norwich and Burnley, I would say so myself. But I mean, if no one else has anything to say about Premier League, should we move on to La Liga? Yeah, City, yeah, let's do it. What'd you say? Hey, calm, calm down. Man, okay. City, isn't, isn't Barca doing the same in La Liga right now or getting close no, to mid table? We're, we're in eight, eight mid table. <laughs> Nah, bro, You're an eight? Gotta... Oh, sorry. Two spots before mid-table. Bro, we got a very impressive win over Villarreal over the weekend. That was nice. Xavi is... Oh, we're actually in seventh place. Yeah, Xavi has us all the way up in seventh now, guys. Things are looking good. Yeah, with the match in hand. Uh, yeah, Barcelona, I watched the game. You know, we, we did struggle. I mean, I think I mentioned this in one of our other podcasts, but, you know, if teams want to beat Barca, Barca... Well, not a, a, at least under Coleman, we couldn't deal with the high pressure. And, I mean, I feel like with Xavi, we'll be able to do it better. But versus VRL, they did exactly that. You know, they just pressed high, uh, made it difficult for us. And, I mean, we got lucky that their defense, uh, you know, lost their head in one of the plays, you know, and just, I don't know, just let the pie get the ball and score that goal. Just, I, yeah, you're welcome. United did that for you. Yeah, I mean, VRL is a good team. I mean, it's just their leaky defense, you know. Uh, it was like, I, to me, it felt like one of those Valverde matches from his era where, you know, you'll look at the score and you're just like, damn, how did we win 3-1? Because it didn't feel like we should have won 3-1. But, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man, I'll take it. One thing I will say about Xavi's uh, style of play, he definitely uses the width to his advantage, you know, with natural wide wingers, you know, and bringing the ball out to them and then stretching the play and stuff like that. But kind of makes me wonder if Messi was still around, how would he fit into the Xavi system? But like Aldo always says, that's another episode of what if, but that right winger as Abde, he's looking like a complete baller, looking like he's going to be, have a really bright future with us. Yeah, indeed. And then um, obviously no midweek matches for La Liga, but we had some Copa del Rey matches uh, midweek. I want to give a shout out to Diego Linus, who finally got on the score sheet for Albetis. And other Mexican striker, Jota Jota Macias, getting a start for Getafe. So it's pretty good to see after, you know, a pretty slow start to the season for those two. But yeah, things are picking up for them. Yeah, man. Before we move on from La Liga, I just want to say uh, UEFA Lona is back. So y'all better watch out. What's that? <laughs> sure. It was a joke back in the day because, you know, the UA, they would always say that reps always favored Barca, so we were called the UEFA. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, uh, and after the game versus VRL, I think uh, the coach accused us, accused us, Xavi, of influencing his decisions. So, you know, I just wanted to say UEFA alone is back. So, yeah. you all better watch out. So, for La Liga, you know, our top two contenders, Napoli and Milan, they finally got. Their first loss of the season, 
you know, kind of, kind of sad there, but they're continuing to going strong. Uh, I believe it was Atalanta that is catching up to them. If I'm not wrong, Dude, let me just double check. Five points behind Napoli, four points behind Milan. Yeah, there you go. So they're catching up for sure. Inter's there too. Inter's in the mix. Uh, They won against Spezia today. But I mean, come on, it's Spezia. So did Milan. Milan beat Genoa. I'm kind of, you know, it's kind of bittersweet that one because I was really hoping for uh, Johan Vasquez to, you know, at least keep a clean sheet for them. Uh, Mourinho's Roma lost to Bologna today. Sorry, Bologna. So it's it's been going. But yeah, Serie A is definitely still popping. And then Napoli tied to Sassuolo 2-2. Yeah, man, you mentioned it there how um, AC Milan and Napoli seasons are pretty identical because over the weekend it was um, AC Milan that dropped points, Napoli got the win. And then midweek it was the exact opposite. Uh, Milan got the win, Napoli dropped points via tie. But yeah, man, things are definitely heating up there. So that's exciting to watch out for. Yeah, and then uh, I don't really, um There was some interesting matches, but something I want to mention that related to Serie A is about Juventus and how they're being investigated for uh, some of the transfers they've made. Apparently, been a bit sketchy, so they're being investigated. It'd be interesting to see what their punishment is because they do have history of doing some sketchy stuff, such as uh, I think there was match fixing back. Like 2006, around that time, they got relegated to the second division. So, I mean, if they're yeah, and they, here, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to them. I mean, I don't know if they'd relegate them, but I'd say they're definitely going to get hit with a big fine, you know? Yeah. I think they should relegate them just like they did in 2006 if those allegations are true and everything. I, oh, yeah, I was reading that, that, that the reason that this, I think it is true because they said they have wiretaps on this. So it's going to be a bit difficult, you know, audio recordings and wiretaps. It's going to be a bit Dang. Damn. They went, they went a whole CSI up in these motherfuckers. I mean, they were on the All or Nothing series last year, so they probably just kept the microphones from that. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Aldo mentioned but Atalanta versus Juve. That was probably one of the most interesting games, but Juve lost that one to Atalanta. But yeah, we can move on to Bundes. Yeah, the Boo Liga. It has one of its best players back, Erling Holland guys, coming off the bench uh, pretty early on from his injury, actually. You know, coming back a lot sooner than expected, but, you know, uh, leaving right where he left off, scoring goals, and uh, Dortmund getting the win there, and they're looking pretty impressive, whereas Bayern barely scraped away a win against Armenia, you know. So for those that are saying Robert Lewandowski deserved the Ballon d'Or, just look at that result. But, uh... (laughs) He's a exactly. He didn't even score the goal, dude. Leroy Sané did. Yeah, but uh, it, to me, the most uh, surprising result was Leipzig versus Leverkusen. I mean, Leipzig lost 3 1, you know. It's just, just surprised, honestly. Thought it'd be a lot closer. But yeah, you know, Jesse March's uh, spell as a manager is not looking too well. Yeah. But, dude, Leverkusen's a pretty good side, too. I mean, Florian Wirtz, one of the best German youngsters out there. Ezekiel Palacios, Diaby, Patrick Schick. You know, they got a lot of impressive players there. Um, 
So I'm not too surprised there, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I agree with you, man. RB Leipzig and uh, Jesse Marsh should be doing a lot better. Never mind. I just saw that they had a lot of players out of injury. Jesse March wasn't actually uh, on the sidelines. So. Yeah, uh, but look at where they are on the table. They're currently in eighth. They should be a lot higher than that, in my opinion. Whereas I mean, overall for the season, he has been disappointing. Yeah. And then Ilyak Mariba, who left Barca for more money. Just I won't say that, but he did leave Barca, and he really hasn't had any prominence on there. Yeah. Five, six, no. You know, Anything else, guys? Or can we move on to France? Because there's actually one result I want to talk about. <laughs> Go ahead, my man. Dude, Sergio Ramos finally made his debut for PSG. And he contributed a lot in a way that I was not expecting. You know, obviously as a center back by trade. But dude, he was bombing up the wing. Not up the wing, but bombing up the field, carrying the ball forward, dribbling past players, putting crosses into the box. I did not expect that from Ramos, dude. He looked really impressive in PSG on the attacking end. Can't say a lot for the defense, but, uh, you know, obviously we all know the world-class center back that he is, but no, PSG finally looks stable. Got an th- impressive 3-1 victory there. I think Messi finally scored his first uh, league on goal. Never mind, that was the week just passed, not this past weekend, but no, Ramos looked really impressive. Yeah, exactly. Hat-trick of assists, so he's coming to life there for those that are saying that he didn't deserve the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> but uh, then they failed to replicate the performance today, getting a boring nil-nil draw today against Nice after registering 22 shots. So that's pretty pretty embarrassing there. I mean, Sergio Ramos was out of the I squad. I would say. Especially for a Ballon d'Or winner. Pretty embarrassing. Did Dimitri Pai get a water bottle thrown at him this weekend? Well, I don't think so. All right, cool. Good for him. I no, but yeah, I, like I said earlier, guys, I did not expect that from Ramos. Uh, definitely cool to see. And uh, I don't think PSG needs any more help on the attacking end. I think they do need a... Uh, it's not even the defense, it's the midfield for me. I think that's the problem they need to address. Maybe in January, if not, the next transfer window. Uh, one thing I do want to say, uh, I know we were just on Serie A, but I want to quickly bring this up. And now that we're on Liga, it kind of, kind of blends in nicely, but... um. Joshua Ikone, uh, me and Chris were just talking about this before we started recording. Um, he has apparently agreed a new contract with uh, Florentina over in Italy and will be leaving the French side uh, Lille champions last year. So that kind of opens up the door to a lot of possibilities, in my opinion, because Dusan Vlavic, you know, very impressive striker for Fiorentina. This all but um, kind of confirms that his departure from Fiorentina will take place soon and they are preparing for it, so that's one to look out for. Yeah, there's a lot of clubs looking for a striker this past season, and uh, I wonder who's going to go for him if he does leave in January. Maybe Spurs, if Harry Kane finally gets his move to City. I don't know if Man City are still after Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're not like Manchester United where you chase a player for three years and then still try and chase them and finally get them. Well, I know Spurs would ask like for seventy-five million, and honestly, that's too much for Kane, as we've seen. He's he slowed down a lot. Seventy-five, dude. They were asking for like hundred and twenty last year. Yeah. Bro, we got Sancho for seventy-two. Y'all still got ripped off. We're yeah, gonna have Fred for fifty. He's coming to life now. 
Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Right I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to take that from Sidious and he just played it off. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that goal, the, the fucking Mendy passed to him and his dumbass tried to chip him when he had like two, two players Ooh. across open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the note. They made the meme out of the note. It's like, don't shoot ever again. <laughs> yeah, I actually saw that too. Like I, like I was telling my brother because he was there. I was like, I bet you it says never to shoot again. All right, y'all. So, moving back over to England for the Premier League Pick'em segment, y'all. Uh, same as always, five results or sorry, five fixtures from the weekend that's coming up. Guess all five right, and you get a nice jackpot of fifty thousand um, dollars. Of course, our own little mini league is heating up as well, so that's one exciting thing to look out for there. But first matchup on here, guys, is actually. Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. Uh, both teams arguably, you know, not in the best form. Palace coming off two uh, losses. Uh, Man United coming up on a bit of a momentum wave, but we'll see if they can carry that into this match. Um, I'm going to say so. I'm going to say they get the win. I think it's going to be 2-1. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I think, uh, I think I've heard Ragnik plays a counterattacking system, kind of like Crystal Palace, so it's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, uh, I got to give it to Man United. I think they got they got what it takes to take this team out. 2-1. I'm going to disagree with both of you guys. Um, I actually think it's going to be a 1-1 a draw. Uh, I don't think Ragnick's going to be able to come in time and like implement the tactics he wants to. So I don't think he'll be – I don't think he's going to have enough time to pull out a result. So I'm going to go with a 1-1 tie. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say the same as – so when it comes to, to Ralph coming in, I don't think he's going to come in for about, I think they said mid-December is when they said he was going to come in. So I think that's going to be something to look out for. I, I do know, you know, thank God Bones exist. I think he's still going to be talking with Carrick and, and Fletcher to implement something. And I think they're going to come away with a, with a W, a result of 2-0. All right, guys. So next match is... Leeds and Brentford, you know, two teams on the uh, lower side of the Premier League table, but Brentford, like we mentioned so many times before in the podcast, very impressive, and Leeds actually coming off a victory as well. So I think I'm going to give this result a draw, guys. I think I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. Oh, I'm going to disagree with you. I think uh, Brentford's going to pull this one out the bag. I'm going to go with a 2-0 win. Uh, Leeds, they haven't been in good form, but... I think Lee Brentford wins this one to nil. I think regardless, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I'm going to go with Brentford on this one. I think Leeds have slowed up past several weeks. Uh, they're slowly getting back to form, but Brentford have been on fire. Uh, I think they're going to take this win maybe 2-1. Yeah, I'm actually going to say the same. You know, I've been a big fan of Brentford since they've come up. So I'm going to give it to them 2-1. All right, so Spurs and Norwich. You know, obviously Spurs under their new manager, Conte, and then Norwich actually fighting relegation this season in 19th place. So I think that kind of speaks for itself. I'm going to go with the Spurs win. I'm going to say 2-0. I'm actually going to go with a, I'm gonna go with a draw here. Uh, Norwich, you know, they've come under uh, Dean Smith. I think he's a good coach. Uh, I think what it's four games now that they have a, that they haven't dropped points, but so yeah, I'm gonna go with a, a, 
I'll go with a 1-1 draw on this one. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I think Tottenham got what it takes to beat Norwich. I think Conte slowly getting there. Been there another week, more experience with the squad. I think they all are getting what he wants from that team. And uh, I think they're going to do pretty well. I'm going to say 3-0 to Spurs. I'm going to agree with Chris on the scoreline, 3-0. Uh, I don't know if, if one of y'all talked about it. I didn't quite hear. But Spurs are losing Romero. Um, potentially for, I think they said, maybe till the end of the season. Hopefully it's not that long, but they won't be with Romero this week. Um, but I still think Conte is going to win comfortably 3-0. Next up, guys, is Austin Villa, headed by Steven Gerrard, and then Leicester City. Um, Villa in 13th, Leicester in 8th, surprisingly, because the reform hasn't been that impressive this season, but I'm going to back Steven Gerrard and his Villa side. Like Saul said earlier, they've been looking really impressive with the style of plays implementing there. So I think he's going to get the victory here, especially with him being at home. So I'm going to say it's going to be a... I'm going to go for a high-scoring affair. I'm going to say 3-2. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you there. Uh, I do like how Villa's playing under Gerrard, but Leicester, I mean, slowly rising. It's slow. They've been slowly rising on the table. You know, I think they were in maybe 13th place. Well, they were below mid-table a couple weeks ago, and now they're back at 8th place. Uh, I don't... I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw. Um, this is a tough one, but I think Leicester are going to come up. They've been pretty poor these past couple weeks, but I think they're going to they're gonna take this win. Maybe 1-0. I don't know, man. I, I think I'm leaning more to towards Seoul's prediction. I think it's going to end up in a draw. Um, pretty sure it's going to end up in a 2-2 draw, just like Saul. You know, Leicester, they've been coming up with goals. Um, Aston has been playing re- really well. I mean, they, they gave City uh, a big run for their money. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to say 2-2 draw. All right, guys, and the last match on here is Arsenal and Everton. You know, Arsenal guys are having a rough run of form right now after that Liverpool loss, that Liverpool spanking. You know, obviously they picked up wins against Newcastle, but they face Manchester United as well. So definitely a tough run of fixtures there. And it's going to continue on here, but I'm going to back him to get the win here. I'm going to say 1-0 to, to the Gunners. Um, I'm going to agree with you there. I think Arsenal are on the up. They had a pretty bad game against Liverpool a couple of weeks ago, but I think slowly coming back. And, uh, yeah, we haven't really been talking much about Arsenal, but that's because they've been slowly climbing that table. I think they're going to take the win 2-0. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Arsenal has been... In good form, you know. Besides that, Liverpool lost. They've been in good form, but um, I don't know. I just have a feeling Everton's going to pull this one out. So I'm going to go with an Everton two-one win. I'm going to disagree with you there. Um, I think slowly but surely, <laughs> Arteta's process is is kind of coming into 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 place. You know, all those puzzle pieces are coming together a little bit slowly but surely. Uh, from what it looks like, um, Everton—they've just not been doing well. They—they uh, they just from from where they were last season to where they are now, they've been really underperforming. So I'm going to give this to Arsenal. I'm going to say three-one actually. So that does it for the five fixtures coming up this weekend, guys, for the Premier League pick'em. Um, 
Obviously, guys, remember to submit your picks to the overall league and to our little mini league because it is heating up there. It's exciting to see who's going to run out victory. There's one other uh, fixture going on in the Premier League, guys, this weekend that I wanted to touch on really quickly, just to highlight because it is very important. It's uh, West Ham versus Chelsea because it's important because Chelsea is actually top of the Premier League table right now, but things are looking very, very tight, looking like a three-horse race. We got Chelsea in first with 33, City in second with 32. And Liverpool in third with 31. And then West Ham is actually in fourth right now on 24 points. So a little bit behind, but, you know, they're up there as well. So that's going to be really exciting to watch. What's going on this? Oh, La Liga, dude. Has some pretty good matchups this weekend. Barcelona and Real Betis. Sevilla and Villarreal. Real Madrid and Real Sociedad. Top of the table clash right there. That'll be really good. Yeah, when Real Betis is without um, Bakir. The accumulation of red cards, so hopefully it helps out more so that we can pull out the win. Nah, Diego Line is going to step in, spank Barcelona. Shut up. <laughs> He's a midget. He's not going to do anything. Bro, Diego Line is still to this day is at his best performance in the Rob Betty shirt against Barcelona. Hasn't been able to replicate it yet, but he's had his best performance against them. Bundesliga. Oh, dude, this weekend's the Classicer. I did not know that. Holy crap. That's going to be so good. No, not really. Bayern's going to win again, as usual. Nah, dude, Dortmund's at Either home. Way. And they got Holland back, and they're up there. Man, I think Dortmund's going to pull away the victory. I think so. Bro, Yo, uh, let's, let's go watch this with a bunch of beers next to us. Bro, this happens every year, Dortmund. Even last year, Dortmund, you know. It just doesn't matter how, how good Dortmund's playing, dude. Bayern always wins, like. Like, I, I want Dortmund to win, but I just know Bayern's going to win. Like, you know, last year I was like, man, you know, I think they're winning 2 now, And then they ended up losing 4-2. It's just like, oh yeah, I just lost to open that one. Like, it's it's still a good match, but I just, Bayern's going to win it, so. All right, so for the Dirt Classic this weekend, I think it's pretty straightforward for Bayern Munich. I really can't see Dortmund challenging for that, but you never know with Haaland up there. He's getting back to full fitness, and uh, hopefully he can uh, spoil the party for Bayern Munich. Bro, and Daniel Malin coming into a bit of form as well recently. He's up there. He's looking exciting. No, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to disagree with all you guys. I think Dortmund's going to get the win there, hopefully, and then we can see them go. How much? We got to subtract uh, 10 points from your Premier League thing and add them to me. Nah, <laughs> oh, I'm not taking that. Oh, I'll join that bet. Oh, you will? I'll but you're, that you're, bet, yeah. you're, you're betting on Dortmund, though. I'm betting on Bayern. Yeah, that's why. I'll, I'll bet on Dortmund. I like you Dortmund. How much, how much points? You want to bet? 14? Nah, four. <laughs> uh, four. Do, don't I have an advantage of 20 already? No, you have like an advantage of four over Christian. <laughs> no, no, because remember the first week we didn't we didn't do it correctly? And I won oh, yes. 18 points. So I have an advantage of 18 points. So I, I think I'll bet those 18 12. points. All 18? Ooh. All right, we have to All 18. the committee. Will the committee allow this since Christian and Chris are in the, in the, in the league? Will you guys allow this or not? Yeah, sure, but I'm not participating. All in, <laughs> all in favor say No, this I. is just between me and all, though. Just... Yeah, so, go so ahead. There's no... Because I don't want to end the season and be like, no, nah, dude, you got added 18 points from all of them. You didn't even earn them. No, that, I'm all cool in favor. Say aye. Aye. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Aye. 
Okay, 18 points. All right, all right. 18 points. Bro, if Byron Lewis is on my try, bro, I'm not, I'm not, I'm out of the league practically. <laughs> All right, wait, we'll, so if, we'll see what happens. Wait, so if Bayern, if Dortmund wins, and Aldo gets 18 of your points as well? Yep. That's how, no, oh, dude, I, just, I just lose nothing. I just lose nothing, bro. That's how it works. No, that makes no sense. No. <laughs> I know. That's why I make you put a Christian, bro. It's like, that makes no sense, dude. I stand against everything but lose nothing. Yeah. No, yeah. If, if Saul loses, I get his 18 points. All right. That's fair. All right, All right. Uh, some other interesting matches. Uh, Hoffenheim versus Eintracht Frankfurt. That one looks interesting. And also, Mainz versus Wolfsburg. Those those, those two look like they're going to be interesting games. So in Ligue 1, guys, as well, we got Lens versus PSG, Lowe versus Troins, St. Antien and Rennes. That's actually going to be a Never mind. decent you can, game. You can cut this out, bro. There's nothing good. going on here. You can cut it out. <laughs> Monaco and Metz. Bordeaux and Lyon, so look out for the most exciting league in the world. And obviously the match of the weekend, Marseille versus Brest. We'll see if Dimitri Payet can get yet another water bottle thrown at him via the corner kick. This league's over, dude. Marseille with 25 points, PSG has 45. Bro, this league's over. Oh, shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ, bro. Yeah, just cut this all out, bro. We'll just go on to the Champions. All right. So Champions League, guys, is actually the mat, the last uh, group stage matchup, which is going to be very, very interesting. After this, we'll know which teams progress through the knockout rounds and which teams will drop down to the Europa League. Uh, for me, I know it's been a running meme ever since the Ballon d'Or ceremony, but I think revenge is definitely on the mind of Robert Lewandowski. Not sure if you guys saw the meme that he's going to put 18 goals past Barcelona's goals <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. Next week yeah. as vengeance. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's going to do the 18 goals, but I think he is going to send Barca to the Europa League. Yeah. What or better? Worse, they're out. Yeah, it could be. What better form of revenge, honestly? Honestly, oh, I see um, what's it called the other match, Kiev versus Benefica. I honestly see Benefica dropping points in that one, so I think we'll be fine. Or at least I hope. Wait, so what, what has to go in your favor? Benfica has to win, right? Or tie? No. Or, or they if, have if to we win. win. If we win versus Bayern, we advance no matter what. And if we lose, uh, Benefica has to either tie or lose to Kiev. Yeah, but if we tie versus oh, Bayern, okay. then Benefica has to also drop points. So, yeah. So, practically, Benefica drops points we're in either way, regardless. Oh, I see. I don't All know, right, man. Let's go, Benfica. I mean, no, Benfica I'm... tie versus Kiev last time. No, man, I don't know. I think Byron, after the De Classicer, will want to play. They're going to put all their eggs in that basket, I think, because obviously Dortmund's actually pretty close to them on the table, and they've already secured qualification as first place in the knockout round. So I don't know. I think they'll rest a lot of their players for that game, if I'm being honest. They're also playing at home. I don't think I've ever met a team that would, that's okay with losing at home, regardless of if the matchup is important or not. We shall see. But uh, yeah. another... Another group that... I was going to say Kimmich is supposed to be out as well. Oh, yeah. Kimmich, I think Goretzka wasn't training with the group today, but he, he's in danger of missing the game as well. So, interesting to see what happens. And then over in Group B, guys, uh, all of Porto, Milan, and Atletico Madrid have a chance to go through the knockout round. Obviously, Liverpool already secured qualification, but Porto's playing Atletico Madrid with Porto at home, and then Milan is going to be playing host to Liverpool. So that's definitely going to be very interesting because any of those three teams can go through. 
I'm my bets on Milan for this last for this last match day. Yeah, I'd say I want I want Milan to go through just because I felt like they've been unlucky. They played some I think versus uh was it Atletico Madrid? They were uh, they got robbed in the first match they had, and then versus Porto they also played a good match, but they lost. So and I feel like Milan deserves to go through just off the the good football they've been playing. But as we know, football isn't about deserving; it's about winning. So yeah, be interesting. But Atletico Madrid, dude, they've just been atrocious. Honestly, like they've been disappointing. Everyone thought. I think Chris even had them as one of his favorites to win yeah. the, the Champions League. Yeah. Looks like that might backfire on him because they might not even qualify for the Europa League. Bro, Bayern, no, Atletico Madrid and Barcelona in the Europa League. Can you guys imagine? I mean, Dortmund's already there. And Dortmund, dude, it's going to be a fire Europa League. It's not the Europa League we want, but it's the Europa League we deserve. (laughs) I feel like Barcelona wouldn't care about the Europa League, honestly. I feel like they just throw in a bunch of youngsters. And that's it. Like they just would be playing like a C team. They don't really care for the Europa League. I think Xavi would like to win it. I think any manager would actually. Special yeah, names, Emery. Ask Ole. Ask Unai Emery. No, I think that's it. I mean, Group G: uh, Lille, Salzburg, Sevilla, Wolfsburg. They all have a chance to go through. I think. Yeah, because if Wolfsburg wins, they get eight points and they tie with Lille. That would be interesting. I mean, did we mention Real Madrid versus Inter? I mean, they are already both qualified, but I still think it's going to be a good match. Man United and Young Boys. We'll see if Young Boys can pull off another upset against Manchester. Uh, I I don't think so. Not this time. And this time at home in front of the crowd? Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen this time, but I do know that United are going to qualify being first in the group. All right, to all of you fellow listeners out there, I really do appreciate you guys. Um, Again, right now I'm going to head out, play some footy, but we'll catch you all next week. Have a good one. Adios, guys. Take care. Later. See you guys uh, next week.